Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to After Work Drinks, your weekly dose of news, pop culture and Pinot Noir, brought to you by magazine editors and best friends, Isabel Truman and Grace O'Neill, coming at you from the top of a mountain. I know, for fuck's sake. Before, Izzy was like, it's just so funny, every time I come on here, I'm from a different location. Like, today, I'm on a mountain. I was like, pardon? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. More uh, details, please. Yes, so I drove down to Hawke's Bay, which is... Uh, about a five-hour drive from Auckland, and it was funny because I was thinking of what this is already sidestepping the point, but I was thinking of what my recommendations were for this week, and I thought of my chaotic drive because it was five and a half hours in a car, and I went from um, what was I doing when I first got in the car? Oh, I was listening to Who Weekly, mm-hmm. so I was laughing, and then I was sending you voice memos on WhatsApp because I couldn't type because I was driving, but I needed to talk about how I I'm was so into so this much. development. I almost feel like we need to have a segment where we like play us talking to each other about who weekly's celebrity recaps over voice memo in the episode as our like celebrity news update because it's just funnier than anything we'll come up with on the fly now yes because it just happens in the moment and then when we record the podcast i've already forgotten everything that i found funny about the week and then so then it went from being who weekly where i was laughing to um listening to my trauma book so I was just very serious. <laughs> and then I flicked to Fleetwood Mac Rhiannon and started playing all these. Um, my friend has this playlist and it's just all these old oldie classics. So then I flicked to that and I was singing at the top of my lungs. That is so chaotic. Just the mix of like Who Weekly talking about Ben Affleck and Anna Armas to a world famous psychologist book on handling trauma to Rhiannon by Fleetwood Mac that's like such yes. a drive and then it doesn't stop there and then I went from that to Florence Pugh on table manners talking about her favorite vegetables yeah, and then to, to that Scarlett 
Yeah, and then to Scarlett Curtis on Iway talking about depression, and then I started crying, and then I had another sing-along. That's like an episode of After Work Drinks in real life. Yes. So now <laughs> I'm in Hawke's Bay, but I'm staying with my best friend and my two godsons who are the cutest little rugrats in the world, but definitely not podcast material. Even just then, I was trying to prepare for this, and I had my laptop open, and the five-year-old walked over, and he was like, can I just close this for a second? And I was like, no. And then he just, you know, I'm like, just no, like just, just go away. This? Yeah. This? Yeah. And I had a podcast on playing and then he just walked over and just touched the bit where the volume goes up and just went and turned it right to the top. So the podcast is screaming at me. And then this is other kid at my feet. I was like, get me the fuck out of here. So my friends own this insanely cool uh, restaurant up on Tomato Peak in Havelock North in Hawke's Bay and Tomato Peak is this beautiful basically huge hill that looks out over the whole of Hawke's Bay so it's insane views and they just revamped it and made it um, a really cool restaurant plus lodging so they have rooms here that people can rent out That's nice, that reminds me of like a quick off tangent story which is that I went to Thailand with Phaedra like four years ago or five years ago and we got there and it was like this little island that we went to and when we got off like no taxi drivers would take us to the hotel and we started getting confused because we're like this is weird because they all wanted they all were running at us to be like taxi taxi and just we showed everyone the address and no one would go there we eventually got in the ute like the tray part of this ute and we had to hold down our luggage and we went like off road into a jungle and it was like boom boom oh and our luggage was so flying scary. out. I was like, where have you booked us, Phaedra? And we got there and it was literally off a mountain. It was off it was like a cliff face. Something out of I'm trying to think of a movie. There's a Lemony movie Snicket. Like Lemony Snicket or like Game of Thrones. And it was just a cliff with like one room dangling over the Oh my god! So we slept there for one night, and then we changed accommodation. That reminds me of the time when me and Anton. I looked on that Instagram travel bloggers page, and he'd blogged yes. like from this That's how crazy Thai well, yeah. island. Yes, do never never do that without doing your own research. If it's on the side of a cliff, there's a reason. Like it's well, not I just. Things. Didn't even, I was like, this island looks amazing. It looks so cool. And it was horrible. And we got stuck there for a night. And it was the worst <laughs> night of my life, essentially. <laughs> anyway. How are you going? How's your week? Give me some wrecks. Well, you already gave quite um, a few there, but go into detail. Okay. Yeah. And I also last night watched Lovebirds, which is Issa Rae's new Netflix movie. Um, she's my favorite person from Insecure and she isn't, yeah, she's in this kind of Netflix rom-commy movie, but it was actually really good for a Netflix original, which are usually garbage. Especially a movie as well. Like, I feel like I can't, yeah, the movies are just bad usually for some reason. Yes. It's because they just don't even care about making them good because people just watch them. Yeah. Which is just an odd. But then the TV shows have to be amazing or no one watches them. It's kind of weird. Wow. Riverdale. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I watched Ready or Not, which is another movie that came out a while ago. It came out when I was in LA. 
and I was going to go see it one night, but didn't. And it has Samara weaving in it, and it's kind of, it's kind of what are those genres where it's sort of, it's kind of black humor, is it? Where it's funny but scary. Mm. That vibe. Um, is this when they hunt all the people down? For sport. Well, basically, to marry into the super rich family who are rich because they had a gaming empire, you have to play a game on the night of your wedding. But if you get hide and seek, they kill you, basically. <laughs> they chase you around and kill you. That's in the a house, wild so. thing to like come up with in your brain. You know what I yeah, mean? Who, and then, do you mean like, who the concept. The show? Yeah. The, the, the just movie. the concept of that for a movie, and then to be like, that's. That's great. I'm going to write it and then to get it. You know what I mean? There's just so many steps of approval for a crazy idea. <laughs> yes, agreed. <laughs> um, and yes, then I was listening to Who Weekly and I was laughing so hard. I mean, you've already talked about this offline, but about Ben Affleck wearing all those Spanish slogan tees around and Grace, that's not even the worst part. Okay, him ordering. Ben and Jerry's in Spanish is no even the Dunkin' worst part Donuts either. is the worst. <laughs> he gets Dunkin' Donuts iced coffees and orders them in Spanish in Los Angeles, and it's like we get it. You have a hot Cuban girlfriend. Yeah, but that's not the worst. Do you know what the worst is? That they have been wearing matching love heart, broken love heart necklaces. I feel like there, there's something about their relationship. This is Ben Affleck and Anna Armas, who are basically the only interesting celebrity news to come out of quarantine but it's got so performative it's reminding me a lot of um taylor swift and tom hiddleston when they went on that like really embarrassing very odd relationship global tour it was obviously kind of a pr move on each of their parts and then everyone accused them of doing it for pr so they like doubled down and just kept up with it and it just got crazier and crazier and the PR stunts got weirder and weirder. I think I feel like they were together. I think they were together, but I think I think it was around the time they were supposedly casting a new bond and Taylor Swift needed some good PR post Calvin Harris. And oh, I think that, that they actually got together and I think they're like, this will be good for us. And then they got in so much trouble where people said this is a fake relationship that they then went out to prove it wasn't and in the process it just looked more and more fake and it just became I can't crazy. believe he wore that I heart Taylor Swift tank top. Yes, he I think he literally ruined his entire career in that one single move. Mm. And then he there was all the those pictures with his mum and them at like the Vatican or something. It was just nuts. But this kind of reminds me of that where I think they're being accused of being a fake couple, so they're doubling down and trying to show how not fake they are, and it's just making it seem faker and it's just a mess. Wearing matching heart necklaces is not the way. We need that to prove a relationship Instagram is real. That footage, that footage we saw of them, it just made me laugh so much. It was of them walking for their daily walk. I just imagine yes. the paparazzi are ages away when I imagine them. I imagine they're out of sight, like you're walking down the street and the paparazzi are hidden in a bush and you don't know they're there. But the paparazzi oh, are like three feet from you when you're walking. It's crazy. So the footage is so funny because it's them slowly walking, holding hands, and there's a pack of men literally like three steps in front of them. And we're supposed oh, no. to they're just accidentally going out for a walk. And happen to be packed. I know. It's, it's really fun. And ha- there happens to be 50 different paparazzi there the exact time that they leave the house. Like, Sean Mendes and Camilla Cabello were um, going for their walks and they hold cups, mugs from home. Which, if you were yeah. going for a walk, 
holding a mug from your house would be the last thing that you would have in your hand if it had liquid inside it. It's just an open yeah, mug. Yeah, I know. That's, There's no yeah, lid. That's really crazy. But for, we'll get to this in a second, but let's all keep in mind that the lit- literal Prince Harry and Meghan Markle live in this same neighbourhood. So the idea that they're just getting papped because they're the most famous and everyone's going out for walks is nonsense. Yes. I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that Rooney Mara and Joaquin Phoenix are having a baby? That is so cute. I did see that somewhere. A little vegan munchkin on the way. Hot vegan yes. munchkin. Also, on my drive down, how funny is it on um, Table Manners when Florence Pugh says that her and Zach Braff got a puppy and they live in the Hollywood Hills and the puppy was digging in the garden and then it dug for ages and then brought them back a dildo. Yeah, that was a Yeah, I, I feel like they low-key might be a bit of a legendary couple that everyone's rousing. They definitely would be funny, but a dog bringing back a dildo and finding it in the garden. Why was it there? Would you find that scary? I would, I would, I think that this might be part of my like anxious persona coming out, but that would, that would freak me out. I don't think I would laugh. I think I would be scared there was a body beneath. Death <laughs> by dildo. Cluedo. In the garden yeah. with the dildo. Yes. <laughs> And then um, in a, on a more serious note, I listened to Scarlett Curtis on Jimmy Lee Jamil's podcast, I Weigh, and I'd never heard of Scarlett Curtis, but she's the author of two feminist books, um, like Girls Don't Wear Pink and Other Lies, and another one, I can't remember what it's called. And she's Richard Curtis's daughter, who made like Love Actually and Notting Hill and all those oh, iconic right. British movies. Yeah, so she comes from quite a like illustrious family, which she talks about in the podcast a bit. And then she talks about, um, it was funny because her dad, now that makes sense because it's like, why is her dad involved in getting making her friends with Jamila Jamil? But when she was 14, she just had a back operation and her dad told Jamila that Scarlett was a fan of hers. So Jamila went to the hospital to do a good deed and then Scarlett was like, I just don't even know who you are. <laughs> but then they became friends, which is cute as. And um, basically she had a routine back operation and then straight away afterwards felt she was in horrific pain and her pain was so bad for three years that she literally like barely could walk she had a wheelchair she had to drop out of school everything and then three years later they finally did another operation and found a fucking nail had been left in her spine and they the whole time they were telling her that it was nothing that's so crazy hearing someone talk about i think you hear a lot about women especially who go to doctors about chronic pain or serious pain and aren't taken seriously and aren't listened to for ages lena dunham wrote that amazing piece about having endo and um this was the first time that i'd kind of audibly heard someone talking about it and i just hadn't thought before about what a horrific mental experience that would be especially as a teenage girl when you're so sensitive anyway and doubting yourself so much anyway to be going through pain that severe and to tell, have everyone around you tell you that it's all in your head and you're making it up for attention would be the most traumatizing mm. experience. I just can't even imagine it. It's so crazy. And then she, so they took the nail out and the pain immediately went, but then she spiraled into severe depression and PTSD, which you would have if you've had three years of people telling you you're making pain up and you can't even walk. It's just so mind-blowing and then basically she talks about um, her severe depression and she talks about how 
like about how the conversation with mental illness and stuff has we're so much more open about everything but i feel as though we're so much more open about anxiety but not really about depression or suicide which is so true you never hear anyone speaking you hear people we talk all the time about having severe anxiety and you hear people always talking about anxiety but never you hear people talking candidly about depression because there is still such a huge stigma and then when she was talking about um having depression that severe that it led her to try to commit suicide it was just such an intense really I don't know it was just nice to hear someone speak about it so candidly because it would happen to so many people I didn't even realize (laughs) which I said to Grace when I landed in New Zealand that I was talking to my therapist and she said something about me having depression and I was like oh my god I didn't even know that I had that (laughs) because I've never felt like I had it before in my entire life and then I landed in New Zealand and she was like oh yeah you're you know, you are feeling a lot better now, but you need to remember that it's it's not going to be completely upwards from here, blah, blah, blah. And then I talked to Grace and I go, um, my therapist said I had depression and I didn't even realize. And you were like, yes, of course you did. You were in a hugely depressive state. Um, I think it's that, that thing as well, though, where you we think of having depression as being, and it is obviously a, a very serious thing and a serious diagnosis, but I think sometimes people don't feel as if they're eligible to say that they have depression or are going through a depression or are depressed because anxiety feels like this more tangible thing where it's a feeling in your stomach and it's a feeling in your gut and you feel nervous and your um, pulse rises and your whatnot but depression i think maybe people feel less like they're allowed to say they have it because they think oh well it's not as bad as someone else or they don't even know i didn't even know Mm. and then as soon as she said that i was like oh of course that makes complete sense that that's and even last weekend we were talking and i was like oh i'm feeling way better than i was six months ago but then I've been feeling, I still am struggling with feeling crap and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, you know, you need to keep an eye on that because one thing leads to another when you feel down. Like we've talked about on the podcast where you are having a crap day and you just feel a bit, and you just feel lethargic. So then you don't exercise because you can't be bothered. But then the next day you feel worse because you haven't exercised and then you spiral. And I feel like that's kind of been what's happening, been what's been happening with me in terms of I arrived back in New Zealand and I worked out started working out like every day and going for walks every day and eating healthy. And I was like, wow, I feel so much better. And then it's been this kind of slow thing where I've stopped working out and stopped doing anything that kind of makes me feel happy, but I don't feel really sad. But she was like, you need to keep an eye on that because you've just come out of a depressive state and it actually is easy to go back into one. And you just don't even like, no one talks about any of these things because it's just this weird taboo topic. Yeah, and I think it's that antibiotics thing where as soon as you're starting to feel better, you don't take the rest of the antibiotics. But that's exactly when you need them, you know? As soon as you do the things that maybe make your mental health feel better and make you feel like you're coming out of a depression, that's when you'll start drinking again or stopping exercising or smoking or whatever, whatever it is, whatever behavior can trigger that. I think that's what happens as well where... You just forget that it's this ongoing process of keeping your mental health in check, which can feel really exhausting too. Mm. I've been thinking about that lately as well because I've been the same where I've just had just days of being really, really flat and not really knowing why and then 
kind of thinking, I just want to stay in bed. I don't really want to do stuff. I don't want to get up. I don't want to be sending off emails and pitching and blah, blah. And then I think you just forget that you just have to keep constantly keeping your own mind in check. It's mm. your job when mm. that's happening to jump into your head and say, okay, no, nah, this isn't good. We're going to jump in and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to set up some barriers for ourselves. I think I forget that you don't just get through the park of a bout of something bad and then because you've gotten through it, then you're never going to get it again. It's kind of a constant yeah, battle. Yeah. Yeah, it's so – yeah, and so I found her speaking about it as the first time I've heard someone talk about all of the things that I was feeling – Literally, even things that I was telling you and my therapist and whoever else about how I was feeling, you guys were like, oh, okay. But I've, she literally was saying that she felt that, that I'd never heard anyone or you guys even, you know, you hadn't experienced exactly what was going through my brain at that time. And so I thought everyone experiences mm. it different, it differently. So like what I'm experiencing is weird and um, is maybe only something that I am experiencing in this kind of I don't know how to like area of depression or whatever. And then when she was talking, I was like, holy shit, this is the first time I've heard someone actually say that they had the exact same stuff going on. It was crazy. And then even just her saying that when you reach out for help, this is the the shit thing is when you reach out for help, it's taken so much to get there. And I just think people need to take it so seriously when someone is down and they say that they're down. And then even them saying that it's an invisible illness, just like when she had a um, nail in her bag. It's the same, you know, it's the same thing. People can't see it, so they just don't understand what is going on. Yeah. Anyway, that was super interesting. Okay, so I have a very exciting story for you, which is this massive story in the Times this week that is written by Katie Nichol, who's writing the upcoming book or has co-written the upcoming book about Harry and Meghan. And she's right. Yeah. I was like, how do I know who dive. she is? She's a royal reporter, yeah. right? Royal reporter for Vanity Fair, but she's... I don't know why she's given it to the Times. It's a bit juicy. But she has written a massive piece about... So it's called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and it's about Megan and Harry's move to LA. And it's full of a lot of very interesting tidbits, and I've written them all down for you. I've broken them down into favorite lines, bad news, this is random <laughs> and interesting, dot, dot, dot. I'm so into this. Okay. Favorite lines. For Archie's first birthday in Los Angeles, he ate a sugar-free cake baked by Megan. I would, I would say that happened. A hundred percent. Quote, being close to somewhere they can hike is very important to them. <laughs> I love Megan. <laughs> okay. And now they're doing, they're tossing up between three LA locations. And I want you to guess what they are. Cause I think you, you have a chance at guessing them. Where they live. Where they want to live. So in Tyler Perry's mansion at the moment, and they're house hunting. Okay. So there's three so there's recognizable areas. How recognizable? So is it recognizable as in like Hancock Park or is that too specific? No, broad, yeah, broader. Okay. They'll, they'll live in Hancock Park for sure. But in um, Hollywood Hills, Malibu. Yes. Um, oh, where, the, where else would they live? West, West Hollywood is too. Or are they going to try West Hollywood? What's it saying? Okay, okay. I don't know the details. So it's Malibu, Calabasas, or Bel Air. Oh, Calabasas. I forgot about Calabasas. I think it's random for them to live in Calabasas. They wouldn't, yeah. Yeah, because there's too much, like, Kardashian hang-ups. And Bel Air also seemed kind of random. Yeah, but the Beverly Hills side of things. Yeah, they would live in either, like, Malibu, Hollywood Hills, Beverly Hills, but then Hancock Park is where all the 
celebs live um, near West Hollywood. Okay. Um, another favorite line. The queen has only seen her great grandson a handful of times, referencing Archie. Though <laughs> during her 94th birthday a couple of weeks ago, he wished her happy birthday over Zoom, and she is said to have remarked that Archie had red hair just like his father. <laughs> How does anyone know that? I don't know. Um, someone hack Zoom? Bad news. Ellen, who is persona non grata in the entertainment industry at the moment due to allegations of being mean to her staff. Being a meanie. Yeah. Um, is rumoured to have nabbed them as the first exclusive interview that they're going to do. No. It would be Oprah. Random. They're friends with Ellen, apparently, and apparently Ellen and Harry are tight. And, yeah, I think that's random too. I think it will be Gail King. Yes. True. She's been playing yeah. the long game. We've talked about this. And the second really sad part is that they're hanging out a lot with Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> him and Harry are like best friends. What? Because of the environment. According to this article. And they call him Leo DiCaprio in the article. I was like, "You, this is the I time. You have to spell out his name. Um, okay, I'll whip through the rest. <laughs> Leo. This one is so random. Okay. When socializing, the couple are likely to hang out at Soho House in downtown LA. The couple have long been fans of the Soho House franchise. One of their first dates was at its restaurant was at a Soho House restaurant mm. on Dean Street, which I, I think that. is where we went. Is that where we went? Did yes. Yep. And they had their wedding list. Their wedding registry was the online Soho House shop. And all the Soho House stuff they... That is so weird. That is so weird. Got sent to their new house in California. It never got sent to Windsor. I don't think they would... I don't, do not think they would be at the Soho House in downtown LA. So with Soho House, there's one in Malibu, which is so basically if you're a member of Soho House, you can go... You can either have like a... I think you can have a membership where you can only go to your one house or you can have one where you can go to all of them but then there's one in malibu which you can't get into even if you're a member of all of the soho houses around the world you literally can't go in unless you were accepted to malibu so it's this exclusive one where all the celebrities go surely they're above soho house i know (laughs) but i'm like anyone can go like i was at fucking soho house in malibu like come on yeah i yeah i find that them having their wedding registry at Soho House is insane. Um, and then the last yes. two little tidbits are that apparently they flew to Miami in February to speak at a JP Morgan event to the tune of one million US dollars. So this is how I they're find making that their money. So fucking weird. I found it really weird when that happened. I didn't know about that. Okay, so yeah, that's Oh, um, didn't you? No, that's known. Oh, it was, yeah, crazy. And they went, yeah, they went to Malibu and spoke at a conference for money. Yeah. I don't know why more people didn't report on that. That's crazy. And Megan has no plans to return to the screen or write children's books, as has been reported. That's all the intel that I've got. I find LA a weird destination. I know that her mum lives there, but if you're not going to be in film and movies, it just seems like an odd place to want to raise... Archie, because I mean, it'd be better than Britain because Britain's tabloids are so crazy, but LA is just filled with paparazzi. It just feels like an odd place to settle, and it's just not. I thought Vancouver Island made complete sense. Same. Apparently, that that was never even really on the cards, apart from like an interim place. Yeah, I just think it is really random because the the obsession with celebrity there is probably far more intense even than the british obsession with it 
the paparazzi culture is crazy. Living, I just think if you're kind of trying to brand yourselves as being more down to earth and regular and... They'll definitely live in Malibu, actually. I've changed my Yeah, life. I was just like, you can't live in Bel Air or Calabasas and say you're the down to earth members of the royal family. Mm. It's just all about They'll live changed. in Malibu and Megan will go to Whole Foods every day and they'll have their own entrance to the beach probably and they'll hang out with here's hoping julia roberts gwyneth paltrow and cindy crawford and her husband yeah yeah it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah. Okay. Shall we move on to... <laughs> the weirdest Instagram. What I wonder with Lana Del Rey's Instagram statement, which came out earlier this week, which I'm sure everyone is kind of across, but basically she is saying <laughs> that she doesn't understand why a bunch of other celebrities can write songs about, um, what is it, being sluts and sleeping with men and stuff, and she can't write about her previous relationships and that there's no room in the culture for a fragile what did she say glamorous beautiful white woman who is soft what i want to know is where lana del rey's pr were when this was happening so this post lists the five women or six women that she lists are women of color just screaming for an internet takedown and it was also a plug for her book. Like the fact she named name dropped Simon Simon <laughs> I know, Schuster so is missing. hilarious. And yes. she talks about having an album coming out later in the year and a book of poetry coming out in the next month or so. So it's a promo thing. So I agree where I'm like, was this not appro- officially approved through the channels? Or did she just go for it? Should I read a little bit out I just think in read case it people haven't? People won't, yeah. I, I, um, really, I was like, I can't be bothered dealing with this right now when I first saw it. Because it's super long. Also, am I right in, um, remembering that right before we started recording, you said I was listening to Lana Del Rey before this? You like her music, right? Yeah, so I like, I was a full Lana Del Rey stan. When I yeah, when she you first like posted her on our Instagram grid once, and I was like, I don't understand what's happening here. <laughs> yeah, so when she came <laughs> out, I was I think eighteen, and the group of friends that I had, we just all became obsessed with her. And we we when she did her first Australian tour, we went we flew to Melbourne and stayed in Melbourne and saw her in Melbourne, and then came back to Sydney and saw her in Sydney. And 
I think what's interesting about her is it seems like her fan base has stayed the same age over 10 years. Like, I think people outgrow the Lana Del Rey thing and then she just gets new fans that are exactly like I was when I became a fan because it just seemed so glamorous and edgy and cool and amazing. I do think she's a great songwriter and I do like a lot of her music, but I'm not a super a super a super fan anymore. Do you like her? Yes, right. Um no, I don't know anything. I couldn't name a song. Ah, yes you could. I can't. I'm thinking right now and I have something in my head, like but I don't. Blue Jeans or Summertime Sadness. She has like a lot of I, not very good oh, songs. Oh, that's, I know what Summertime Sadness and is. video games. When video games came out, you just cut to 18 year old Grace O'Neill sitting watching YouTube being like, like my whole world just exploded. Yeah, no, nah, I don't know. I missed, I missed her completely. But okay, I've got her statement up. It's, what's this? It's written kind of as if it's in a typewriter form. Yeah, like it's not a note. And it's kind of washed out as if she did it on a typewriter. It's a weird, weird thing. So question for the culture. Now that Doja Cat, Ariana, Camilla, Cardi B, Kalani, and Nicki Minaj and Beyonce, (laughs) and Nicki Minaj and Beyonce, have had number ones with songs about being sexy, wearing no clothes, fucking, cheating, etc., can I please go back to singing about being embodied, feeling beautiful by being in love, even if the relationship is not perfect or dancing for money or whatever I want without being crucified or saying that I'm glamorizing abuse? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. I'm fed up with female writers and alt singers saying that I glamorize abuse when in reality I'm just a glamorous person. That's, I'm getting that tattooed on me. Singing about the realities of what we are all now seeing are very prevalent emotionally abusive relationships all over the world. With all of these topics women are finally allowed to explore, I just want to say over the last 10 years, I think it's pathetic that my minor lyrical exploration detailing my sometimes submissive or passive roles in my relationships has often made people say I've set women back hundreds of years. Let this be clear, I'm not not a feminist, which is the most wish-washy thing I've ever heard, but there has to be a place in feminism for women who look and act like me, the kind of woman who says, no, but men here, yes. The kind of woman who are slated mercilessly for being their authentic, delicate selves. The kind of women who get their own stories and voices taken away from them by stronger women or by men who hate women. I think that's that's all I need to read. Yeah. Okay. Right? So I might, if you aren't familiar with her, there may be some people who are listening aren't familiar as well. So I might just give a bit of context for this persona that she's talking about. So yes. her whole thing... Aesthetically, a lot of her thing is 1950s glamour, Marilyn Monroe, that kind of soft-spoken woman who just loves men and can't help loving men and they treat her like shit and she'll just keep going back over and over again and who's just kind of sweet and loves older guys and this music video for her song Ride is her in joshua tree essentially just bussing three like much, much, much older guys and she dresses very young. It's a bit Lolita-y where she looks like a little girl sometimes and she's had lyrics that are like he hit me but it felt like a kiss and Mm, I saw that yeah she doesn't she says she doesn't she won't sing that anymore um but it's always about pining over a man a man treating her badly I'll be prettier for you if you want me to be I'll be whatever you need me to be and that's kind of been her vibe from the get-go so obviously feminists aren't stoked with her (laughs) yeah so what i don't get by not knowing who she is what i don't get about it is her saying that basically 
there's no room in the conversation for her because she's fragile and privileged and beautiful and white (laughs) when she's super famous, super successful. And that is basically all there's been room for, for this whole forever. So is, is it kind of like she's saying that now that we're celebrating black women more in music that she feels as though she's been shunned or is she saying the whole time people are basically saying that she's shit because she talks about that stuff and she's trying to say that it's fine. I think what she's trying to say before we get into all the various reasons why, how she said it was completely wrong and bad. I think what she's trying to say, which I do think actually there is room to have a conversation about is Mm. that, okay, what she looks like and how she behaves is how women have looked and behaved under the patriarchy. Like there's so much room for that to be pretty and not say much and do whatever a man asks and keep going back to him even though he treats you badly because you love him so much and to kind of just cater completely how you look and talk and have a soft voice and delicate, fragile. That has really been all we've had room for in patriarchy in terms of what femininity looks like when you think about Disney movies and all that stuff. I think what she's saying is is there not room for women who are just like that in the feminist movement to exist and it's not just because that men it's the patriarchy forcing them to be that way it's just naturally the way they are and is that does that have to by its definition be anti-feminist can it not just be romantic can it not just be delicate can it not just be fragile do you have to be strong and harsh and sexy and emboldened and like stomp on a stage and like like does is that the only definition of female empowerment is i think what she's trying to say yeah i just don't even think that that's i just think that that's such an old school thing to be asking right now anyway because it's not the 1970s when where people are saying that as a feminist you have to not shave your armpits and you have to not wear makeup and you have to not wear heels that's not even a conversation anymore yeah but i get i get that she didn't mean to be racist i think she was just so blinded by what's going on for her that she didn't even realize that she was naming all women of color and she wasn't even trying because the whole thing that's blown up is her essentially everyone saying that she's being racist or just completely blinded by her own privilege which i think it's the latter it's just her not even realizing what she's saying but it's also like goes back to our conversation last week where we said if we're taking that really narrow definition of racist where she intentionally wanted to bring down a bunch of of women of color to put them down a notch yeah okay it probably wasn't racist but was it racist in that she stereotyped a whole bunch of um, female artists of color as as singing blanket rule about cheating fucking um Mm -hmm. dancing for money what did she say like that is racist yeah, to, to try and yeah. suppress all of the work of these women down to being about these four or five things that are all racist stereotypes about women of color anyway. Like that is racist, whether you intended it or not, you know? I definitely think, yeah, I definitely think what it, it was, yeah, it is racist that she didn't mean it to be that way, which is, but that's even crazier that she could be that blinded by it that she didn't even realize and she still doesn't and what is the most annoying part about all of this is that exactly like we said last week it's relying on people of color to have to inform you about what you're doing wrong but then she's not even listening she's just shutting it down completely and saying no it's not racist instead of just saying oh hold on a second i never meant for it to be that way i hugely respect these women i can't believe i only picked 
women of color. That wasn't my intention at all. Um, and I'm so sorry. And fully taking ownership and saying, this is why it's showing my white privilege. And this is why it's, show- it's, it's like the perfect example to go off if only she would listen element of this coming off the back of last week and I do wonder if we hadn't done all of the reading and research we'd done and hadn't been looking at Alison Roman so closely if we would have had the same reaction to this because it seems like her apology was divided very easily down the middle between white women saying it's fine Lana you didn't even have to apologize why are you apologizing we all knew what you meant and people of color like banging their heads against the wall saying why are white women forgiving Lana Del Rey for an apology that she's supposed to be making to people of color (laughs) you know and they're all saying you obviously don't get it because you're fighting back and saying in her apology she essentially said it's disappointing people are turning this into a race issue and if they are it says more about you for turning it into one than it does about me and I think that that's what we talked about last week where it's like white people are more concerned with being called a racist than they are with not being racist. Because if you cared more about not Mm. being racist, you would be enthusiastically excited to listen to people with different perspectives from you and learn how to be better next time so you don't bring down a whole group of super talented women with really careless language. But when you only care about whether or not you're perceived as racist, then you just double down and don't even take the time or thought to learn from it. And that's really negligent from such a huge celebrity. Totally agree. I listened to, I think we both listened to Bobo and Flex's take on this. And I want to insert what Bobo says because I just think that this sentence of hers is so bang on. I think what she needs to say with her full chest, and I honestly, I literally don't even think she's being malicious. I just don't think she has the self-awareness to acknowledge her unconscious racial biases. What she needs to un- what she needs to say with her full chest is I feel discriminated against mm. because I am a fragile white woman. Mm. And whiteness is by definition fragile. So the fact that blackness, which only exists in contrast to whiteness, is being celebrated right now feels like a threat because when you're so used to being superior, equality will feel like oppression. Like she feels she's being oppressed because she's suddenly, for the very first time, not experiencing being on the pedestal and being rewarded for white fragility. So that's what, that is what she needs to address. But she can't address that because whiteness is a set of blinders. Like she just will never be able to see her unconscious racial biases because they're blinded by her own white fragility. But it's, it's, it sucks that Bobo says, you know, she'll never be able to because it's like she could learn to if she wanted to, but she just is clearly showing she doesn't want to. Yeah, exactly. It's really – and I think this is really interesting actually because Jamila Jamil – yes, we're just going to talk about it every week. But she um, – but Jamila Jamil talked in an Instagram post she shared this week about how – all the women that we think of as cool, quote unquote, in our culture don't tend mm. to say very much. And how when you decide to not say much and not engage in these topics, we socially have a tendency to like project the most woke, most okay opinions onto someone. 
if that makes sense. So Lana Del Rey never get wading into any sort of uh, political woke feminist conversations ever, as far as I know, up till this point. I think people have assumed that she has like a sophisticated understanding of it and that she knows what she's doing by tackling these subjects. And then she's just showcased that she has really little to no self-awareness and it's surprising to people because mm. I think when someone's a really beautiful songwriter, when her album came out, this is what's crazy, when her album came out in 2019, Norman fucking Rockwell, she, it was lauded as the best album of the year and The Guardian made it the number one album of 2019 and said that she'd proved she was in the same league as Bob Dylan and Janis Joplin. Like she's hugely successful and celebrated, so I don't really know what she's talking about. But I think you assume <laughs> someone who can write music with that much nuance is very like self-aware and then when you just see that they aren't, it's just so shocking. Yeah, ex- exactly. And I think it's so so kind of obvious what Jimmy Miller was saying when she says to be accepted or to even be like yeah thought of as cool you just have to shut up and say nothing and she even said that on the Scarlet Curtis episode where she was like no one likes just a loud woman who speaks her mind they all just think you're annoying they all want to cancel you for so many women so many famous celebrities who everyone just likes they just don't really say anything once you start thinking about it, we're obviously not going to name any names, but once you yeah. start thinking about a lot of the women you admire, think, you know, about times that you've heard them make a stand about anything and then think about the women you find annoying mm. and you'll probably find that a lot of them have decided to make a stand about something. Mm. Very interesting. And just, we didn't say this before, but we hope it's obvious. Like the idea that Beyonce, Cardi B, Nicki Minaj and the other women that were listed by Lana get away with things that Lana Del Rey doesn't as an artist is literally laughable. Like, it's mm. a joke. Beyonce gets slammed for yeah. every fucking yeah. thing that she does. The Cardi B gets slammed for every single thing that she does. Like, uh, Nicki Minaj, Kalani, I mean, Doja Cat's a bit problematic, but all those women, they just go through the fucking ringer and are just... Like, do you remember Beyonce after the Super Bowl thing? Beyonce after Lemonade? Like, the amount of shit that woman yeah. gets in... I know. She got so much shit for everything. Like, I am angry at her still for staying with Jay-Z. It's none of my business. (laughs) So on this Lana topic, I was on someone's Instagram stories and they just swipe up to an article. They came out actually three years ago on BuzzFeed, but the authors just reshared it off the back of this Lana Del Rey thing. And it's called White Women Drive Me Crazy. White women are so dangerous because they're allowed to be so soft, innocent until proven innocent. It's basically about how white women are looked at as being soft and innocent and fragile and then that's kind of the way that you think of femininity but then black women are seen as the opposite and if they even speak or if they I don't know roll their eyes or whatever it's just instantly stereotyped and she's basically saying that she she starts the article saying that she stepped on a white woman's yoga mat and that she looked up at her like she'd woken up to her standing at the foot of her bed like she'd suggested we murder her husband and run away together yeah, it just kind of was a really interesting read off the back of the Lana Del Rey thing saying that fr- being a fragile woman is a negative thing when it's basically always been a positive thing for women everywhere, let alone just white women. Yeah, acting like there's not space for that is just crazy because that's literally all there's been space for up until 10 years ago now, <laughs> if that. It's funny, yeah. this, this Guardian yeah. writer called Laura Snapes wrote a really good piece about it and she was just kind of saying how Lana Del Rey's career has kind of happened across this, what is she, the phrase she, she says, it's like 
the breakneck speed of feminism or something about how feminism has just moved so crazily fast in the last 10 years at the exact same time that her career has taken off. And it's kind of interesting to see how her content and her style and her music is received as we continue to talk to like more and more and more about this conversation, because I never thought about it before Mm -hmm. when she said that was saying, I've been accused of glamorizing abuse in relationships. I was kind of aware of that, but I never thought about her whole persona as being a problematic persona or an anti-feminist persona. It just never crossed my mind. And now that I think about it and the way that we think about femininity and power and sex now, her whole thing just seems really outdated and really not relevant. And I think it's this funny thing as well where, this is the last thing I'll say on the topic, but people feel entitled, white people usually feel entitled to huge careers in entertainment or to huge, it's like, it's not a right to be a hugely successful singer. You have to adapt to the times. Mm. You have to adapt to your audiences. You have to engage in the conversations. You have to do all that. It's not just your birthright because you're a good singer that you're going to be a massive, massive pop star who wins Grammys. You know, if you can't keep up and you can't look introspectively and you can't change your work to speak to changing social mores, then that's on you. You're going to be left behind. I don't think. Well, yeah, that's as if a journalist could just continue writing things that they want to write without looking into what's going on around them. You just be cancelled within five seconds. Yeah, exactly. I do think that thing is interesting of like how how do you step like how do you separate how much the patriarchy has impacted how you feel is so interesting because mm. it's just impossible mm. to know. Yeah, like if you feel like yeah. you are just a romantic person that just loves men, we will look at that and say, okay, sis, like you just need to go and work on yourself and um <laughs> love yourself and be okay on your own. But who are we to say that some people aren't just romantic and just will always love being in love and it's not a patriarchy thing, it's mm. just a personality thing. I don't, I don't even yeah, know what I don't the think answer is. A problem with, <laughs> yeah, loving being in love or being romantic because I'm definitely romantic and I love being in love. Well, yeah, everyone but loves being in love, hey? I think it's, yeah. there's a difference. But, but there's a difference between being romantic and loving being in love and being romantic with someone – with just bad people all the time. Like, I don't think that that would be something that you would inherently just be like. No, that's not like a personality type. But then... That's the problem with her language is her language is so loaded where she's saying some women just like being loving and in relationships. And I'm like, yeah, they do. But that's not what her music is even about. It just shows you how important language is. You can just minimize anything if you just don't use Mm. the right words. Obviously, no one who's a feminist thinks that you can't be in a loving relationship and that you don't, you're not therefore a feminist and also in her apology she said hopefully a third wave of feminism comes along soon that will include me and i'm like that was in the 70s (laughs) and didn't she also um yeah and didn't she also say that anyone who found issue with it is either a trump supporter or a lefty or something i was like what are you saying yeah that was nonsense (laughs) that was uh, there's been a lot of jokes about it just being quarantine thinking too much in quarantine and then thinking it's a good idea to just like blow off your yes. crazy thoughts. Like when Taylor Swift, um, when she put up that note about Kim and Kanye ages ago, but then everyone noticed that um, in the note she'd had to search for it because that's how long ago she'd written it, <laughs> that she had to search to find it in her notes. That's so funny. Everyone was like, God, this should and have can. stayed in the drafts. <laughs> yes. 
I know, literally, Bobo and Flex were like, it should have just been a conversation that you had where you called up your best friend and said, I'm so fucking sick of all these people being able to talk about what they want and I can't talk about what I want and it's unfair and rah, rah, rah. And then you guys have a whine and you bitch about them and you say, Ariana Grande is fucking me off. And then you just, that's it. You don't need to, maybe we should just start posting publicly what we think (laughs) on our Instagram. It would just be so But we are so aware of the um, responsibility we have to be extremely well-researched and well-read on any topic before we decide to talk on it and yeah, so much so that I get anxious before the podcast. But yeah, sometimes. like the I'm amount like, of preparation we, we put into every week, and the fact that someone <laughs> who has a platform of hundreds of millions—it's just—it's cr- just crazy to me that you would just think it was fine to just put up whatever came out of your brain without filtering it or researching it or thinking about it. Okay, let's wrap this up. We're making a conscious effort to keep our episodes to an hour because. Um, a few people, namely my annoying younger sister, said that they're too long, that they stress her out so she doesn't listen. So I think an hour is a good time. Between 45 minutes and an hour is good. Yeah, let us know, actually. What do you like? We haven't done our poll yet. Oh, yeah. I'll put some questions up on Instagram because we want to know what you guys want more of and less of and topics you'd like us to cover, et cetera, et cetera, how we annoy you and how we don't. Compliments, lots of compliments lots of compliments um yes thank you so much for listening again we are so happy that you keep coming back for more tell your friends <laughs> I, love when you, I love it when you wrap up the podcast because what i say is please rate review and subscribe bye and you always have this kind of personal note that you tell everyone whether it's yeah mine's like a chaotic stream of consciousness and screamed out as like quickly as i could manage yeah um what else i'm just thinking of creative ways that people can support us write just write a review it makes us it makes us so happy it makes us so i I know but also i think because when i always say please write review and subscribe people just tune off but it actually really helps the podcast sit higher in the charts it helps more people find out about us it helps us get featured on itunes which happened recently which means that we can spend more time on the podcast and less time stressing about having to come up with creative things to write about which i just cannot physically do right now i know we have we only have brain cells for after work drinks and we just want to be doing <laughs> yes. all the time so if you write a review it sounds like a silly thing but it will literally be the difference if enough of you do it at once it'll be the difference between us being able to spend all week on an episode and and not so and that sounds like we a go. Trip, we'll but it's that. not it's an inspiring <laughs> an inspiring speech okay Let's, we gotta go see you on Saturday time. love Bye. you What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.